You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince in the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and the fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all cuts and trims are by appointment only so head over to their website at 10th ward barbershop.com and book your appointment now with kane jordan and the rest of the team at 10th ward barbershop that's 10thward barbershop.com and we thank them for supporting the podcast Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Barnard. Thank you so much for joining me again today. My guest needs no introduction. He is the newest member of the ad-free shows community. His name is John Alba. John, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I know we've been trying to line this up for a while. My travel schedule has been a little insane, so I apologize for that. This is my first weekend in uh, almost two months that I haven't been on the road. So I'm excited to be able to just kind of take it easy on the Saturday morning as we record this and chat with you here, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming, but I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by. I'm glad you're getting settled now. Uh, how are things out there where you are? are you in uh, are you in Orlando or are you where are you so at right, right now, now? Yeah, so right now I'm in Orlando. Uh, eventually, I'm going to be in the process of relocating back to Jersey, where I'm from originally. But right now I'm still in Orlando. Beautiful day outside. It's like 88 degrees or something like that today. High, but some reason I'm sitting here inside talking to you instead. But whatever, <laughs> it's fine. No, it's great, man. Um, things are okay. Life's good right now, and I can't really complain about that. 
That's a good thing. Yeah. And you, you just made a really incredible move uh, with your career, which we're going to get to as we get forward into the conversation. But typically, anytime I interact with a wrestling fan or anyone who is part of this wonderful world that we exist in, I always ask this first question. Uh, where did your love of pro wrestling begin? Everyone has that big bang moment, right? <laughs> like that, that first thing that just you become enamored. And mine was Bad Blood 97. We just celebrated the 24th anniversary of that, which is insane to me. But little four-year-old John Alva saw this gigantic man take a cage door off by the hinges as Vince McMahon yelled, that's got to be Kane. And that was it. I was I was in. And everyone has that moment, I feel like, when you watch a sport or pro wrestling where you're just like, that, that hooked me. And I don't know what it was. If it was maybe that kind of like comic book comes to life idea, larger than life characters, I'm not really sure entirely. I, when I was a kid, I was like super into Batman. So like, and you know, this is like the Joel Schumacher era of Batman. So it's like, you know, <laughs> ice to see you. And oh, so the man. larger than life characters. So seeing Kane ripped the door. I don't know. It's something about it, which is so cool. I just happened to be watching with a neighbor and that was it. I was hooked from that moment on. Yeah, it's amazing to think back about, first of all, that that was 24 years ago, which is just just staggering to me when I think about that. You know, I think I was if it was 24 years ago, I was probably 11 or 12, I think, at the time. And I remember really being into the idea of like the realistic aspect, because, you know, that was when all the things were changing and then the NWO was sort of at its height. But there was something that was like intensely scary about Kane, right? Something that was just insanely off the charts for me. And I think you're right. I think it had a lot to do with that correlating time. Say characters like Mortis and Glacier on WCW and some of these other like wild things but nothing really stuck the way Kane did and, and I just yeah like, there was like the brother element to the storyline and we we see wrestling storylines all the time incorporate family but there was something very believable about Kane being the Undertaker's brother he looked like him like <laughs> right, it right similar and so I think for me that was something that was super appealing as a kid I was like this is they're like former family members that like like burned down his his like funeral home. Like, I don't know, man, I just, something was about that. I was like, I was all in on that. It's, it's something is remiss here. And then, you, then you're angry because you're like, well, why did the undertaker let his house on fire? You know, like there's right. all these different questions. And I guess as, as children, you're looking at it and, and really in a lot of ways, wrestling still today is marketed and geared towards kids. I just had a conversation last night on my Twitter account about Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt and how everybody's sort of like, you know, shitting all over uh, the the swamp match. And my, my ultimate point about those entire PC era is like, look, two points. A, this stuff is not marketed for us. This is marketed to my eight-year-old who's devastated because Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt are not on TV anymore. And B... It's a story. This is what what they're creating. They're creating stories. They're creating narratives. And I think that was a big part of the Kane element, too, is the fact that it was a believable aspect. And it really hooked me like the same way it did with you. But tell me more about your career. So you sort of you you took off this wrestling and wrestling became like a real big passion in your life. And then you started working in sports. Tell me. And then you eventually went with you won an Emmy in 2015. Tell me more about that journey for you um, and how that kind of parlayed into uh, into your your life's work. Yeah, sportscasting has always been my passion. I, I knew since I was five years old that I wanted to be a sportscaster. So when you become so one-track minded as a kid, you, you kind of have to follow through. There was never any other option B for me. I was going to be a sportscaster, for better or for worse. And I ended up becoming one. I'm very grateful that I, I had that path that 
saw me cover some amazingly cool things over the course of the past decade, genuinely. And I, I had a run at MLB Network as a producer behind the scenes. I was the youngest sports director in the country at an affiliated station at 22 years old in Bangor, Maine. Wow. The ABC and Fox affiliate there. So I was I was there in the tail end of the Patriots dynasty. So again, see all that stuff unfold. The Red Sox winning the World Series there. The Celtics had that really good run at the end of the last decade. And then I ended up moving on down to Orlando and did three years over at Spectrum News 13 and Spectrum Bay News 9 in Tampa as part of the Spectrum Sports 360 operation where I was doing long-form human interest sports storytelling. So think like E60 mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff where you're really learning about character development and reveals very similar to pro wrestling in a way where all that runs parallel to one another. And I hosted a half hour sports show that was kind of like Sports Center for Florida sports. So now we make a little bit of a pivot into this world of pro wrestling full-time where I can combine my skill set that I learned as a sportscaster and utilize it in something that's been a huge passion of mine. Now, you mentioned the uh, the, the Red Sox winning the series, and just as far as uh, covering sports and being a sportscaster, what are some of your favorite memories covering some of those those big events? Like, obviously, I don't, I don't know if you covered the Phillies. Sure. I'm a Philly guy, so I lived through the win in 08. Um, what are some of your favorite memories uh, uh, as far as coverage in, in, in any sports that you worked uh, while you were Personally, there? My favorite Philadelphia memory is the 09 World Series, but that's another. Well, uh, hey, you listen, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I watched as well. I was very disappointed, but, you know, oh, wait, we'll take oh, wait, we'll take it. It's fine. Everything's good. We're all fine here, but <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, something like that. But anyway, um, OK, we're going to wrap this up right now. Thanks, everybody, for coming by. We appreciate, I appreciate it. you having me. I'm, thank you. Um, no, so. <laughs> Uh, favorite things I covered, man. Um, let's see. I think the most important thing I covered, probably two most important things I covered, were the 2020 Daytona 500, mm. which was when Ryan Newman, if you were, I don't know if you're a racing fan or not, but Ryan Newman had a just absolutely horrific crash that yes. uh, he nearly died. And mm-hmm. I actually caught video of that. I, I posted to social and 10 million views on, on Twitter, uh, wow. insanity. And that was crazy. That's one of the most memorable nights of my career. That night changed my career, changed me as a broadcaster too. I, I was live around the country on Spectrum Networks like 11 or 12 times unscripted, just like go cut a promo, you know? Yeah. And the NBA bubble, the dra- the uh, playoff bubble that happened in Orlando, that was huge because there was also the the walkout by the players in the middle of that. And I, I went to that and I covered that at the bubble and, you know, just kind of being in the center of this amid all this social justice stuff that was happening. Right. Those, right, those right. were huge events that I covered. I mean, I've covered so many events. It's awesome. I've covered, like I said, the NBA playoffs, the NFL playoffs, AFC championship game, all that good stuff. But I'd say those two probably stand out the most for me. When you say rent the um, the Newman crash, it changed you as a broadcaster. In what ways do you think, besides like having to go live and cut promos, what ways did that change you? Sure. So I would say the craziest part about that was it forced me to tap into a much more human side as a broadcaster where 
it's always been my approach as a broadcaster to try to make it feel like a one-on-one conversation with the viewer rather than, you know, I could sit here and I could put on a sportscaster voice, but I don't think that's very efficient. Whereas I, I have colleagues who do that. That's not my style. I, I try to be, Hey, you want to go grab a drink at the bar? That's, that's kind of my approach to broadcasting. And, and with the Newman situation, we genuinely did not know if this man was dead or alive. So I saw my colleagues around me who were also doing live shots for different stations and they had all these notes, they they were reading off them while they're doing this. I just kind of spoke from the heart. And that I think was the most, it, it just, it taught me so much about myself as a broadcaster that I communicate much more effectively when it's just me speaking. I'm prepared. I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to script myself. I'm just going to be a real human being. And I find that people like watching real human beings talk more than someone who looks like they're trying to be a reporter. Agreed. I I think even when you can compare back to the pro wrestling aspect, when you think about something like um, Over the Edge 99, uh, you know, Jim Ross communicating to the crowd like this isn't a this isn't a script. This isn't something he's genuinely speaking and and giving it from the heart or even the coverage from 9-11 with Howard Stern. You know, people enjoy people want to feel that connection. They want to be able to know that these people that they're seeing on TV are, are feeling and living the same things that that you are. Do you think you were able to translate that long term uh, into more of your aspects in broadcasting? You felt like you were able to use that and and really make it better for you. 100%. It changed me entirely as a broadcaster. Um, I actually got a couple Emmy nods uh, nominations off off that night alone because wow. it, it just I felt like I was locked in, you know, and like, yeah, it, ch- it changed my approach and it put me more in a groove than I think I've ever been in. It gave me more confidence on air than I I ever had really in my pocket. It felt like I finally figured out my identity as a broadcaster Hmm. because a lot of broadcasters spend the first few years of their career trying to figure out what their style is. You throw a lot of stuff at the wall. You see if it sticks. Most of the time it doesn't stick. Uh, Some, some broadcasters are really over the top campy. Some are very tongue in cheek. I've had my fair share of those kinds of things. Like I've done all that stuff too. But it felt very real and human. And I realized that if I can break down that barrier, that screen that exists between myself and the person watching, and it feels like they are having this genuine one-on-one connection and conversation with me, that will make me much more effective as a broadcaster. Agreed. And I, I think for me, that's that's what this format allows me to do as well. It allows me to have real in-depth conversations with people. A lot of times things can get uncomfortable. We talk about uncomfortable topics and uncomfortable conversations. But for me, as as a as a content creator and a listener, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear sure. people get out of their comfort zones. I want to hear people tell me about their real lives and their real stories. And to get to that nitty gritty or as friend of the show, Eric Bischoff, Bischoff would call it the granular aspects of everything. Uh, it's really that's to me, that's the spice of life. Um, for your Emmy award though, that's going to be a huge freaking deal. Like, tell me more about, about that win and and how, how that came about and what you won for. Yeah, that was uh, for my time producing MLB tonight at MLB network. I was working very closely with a lot of the talent and kind of forming my path there in terms of how to break news and all that kind of stuff, working with all these professionals. And that, that was huge for sure. And I've had a few Emmy nominations along the way, too, which has been awesome as an on-air talent. And I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We'll be finding out soon about a piece that I did that I feel really good about this past year that I think could win. So we'll see. But, you know, I mean, listen, 
Emmy awards, they're obviously awesome. They're a huge token for any broadcaster, but it, if you're in the broadcasting business to win awards, you're, you're really not in it for the right reasons. You, you are at the end of the day, a storyteller. You're, you're somebody that sure you like to talk and there's very much an ego thing involved with that. I don't necessarily mean that in a negative context. There, sure. There's an ego element to it, but your whole objective is to, for lack of better phrasing, put over other people. Exactly. So like we just dropped something on ad free shows where it was a getting to know John Alba. It was a one hour long conversation with me about my career, much like this. I don't feel particularly very comfortable talking about myself. I don't really like doing that. I'm happy to do it with you here, but like generally right, right. Speaking, I, I don't entirely like talking about myself because I guess it's that journalist mentality that you're never the story. The story is always somebody else. And it's your job to be the voice of the voiceless. It's your job to be that curator and take the viewer or the listener from point A to point B to point C about somebody else and the adversity they've overcome or something really cool that they're doing. It doesn't always feel right to talk about yourself. So that's just kind of my take on it. I'm, I'm thrilled that I've got that little trophy because it has helped with my pro wrestling career as an indie manager <laughs> exponentially because who doesn't take their Emmy around and name it Erica and show it off to people, you know, but um, yeah, He's man, a that, heel. That's, kind of no, <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I mean, it's, that's a good thing though. And then we'll, we'll get into talking more about your, your career as well. But yeah, I, I completely 100% agree. It, it feels almost alien and unnatural when people ask me questions about, Oh, you do the show or you write or you do this. It's like, Oh, you know, I talk about, I talk to people. I talk to people that I find interesting and have unique stories and have unique viewpoints. And I present it in a way that allows them the space to speak about it. I don't necessarily like putting myself out or I'll let somebody else do that for me later on. But um, so, well, actually, you know what, why don't we talk about that now? Since you mentioned, uh, Erica, the Emmy, um, you <laughs> recently re I guess recently or, or not so recently, you, you just started getting into professional wrestling as, um, as a, as a talent. Um, how did that come to light and how much, I mean, it just looks like you're having fun. Like I read your tweets, I follow you on Twitter. I see, I watch everything that, you know, you put up it, 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 it seems like you're just having a blast. Like it just seems like you're having a really good time. So tell me about, uh, about that. Sure. Uh, so I've been working in indie wrestling for five years now, okay. I think, as as talent. And I played in the Jersey Shore music scene as a guitarist for years before I kind of endeavored in my career. And that performance element, I've always been a performer at heart. So when I took that away, I needed something to fill that void. And I couldn't really figure out what it was. When I was in Maine... I covered a one-man show that Billy Gunn did. And I had known Billy a little bit through the grapevine, but it was our first time meeting in person. And he shook my hand and he said, you know something, you got a really punchable face. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So what do I make of that? Oh, thanks. He goes, no. he goes, no, man, that's, that's your ticket. That's your money. People want to pay to see you get your face beat up. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so I started to get involved with the local indies in New England, and it was a really awesome endeavor. I grew a lot as a performer. My first indie stuff as a manager was really bad, but you learn from it. And my home promotion kind of became Limitless Wrestling, which I perceive to be as one of the top independent promotions in the world right now. Mm -hmm. So biasly and unbiasedly, Daniel Garcia just had an amazing championship run there. And getting to work with talent that 
have been signed by WWE and AEW and all these other big promotions, the Garcias, the Anthony Greens, the Lee Moriarty's, all these people, uh, Darby Allens. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been wild. And getting to explore that performative side of it, it, it definitely fills that need for me. I have an absolute blast doing it. And, you know, yeah, people want to uh, see me get my, my ass kicked. Actually, I'll show you this. <laughs> Uh, will will people be seeing video of this, Adam? Yes, it- they will. Yeah, okay. they'll be they'll be seeing so, the video content. Yeah. So, I, I got here. This actually just came to me yesterday in the mail as I pull this up here <laughs> uh, at a show. I, I had been away from Limitless for for a little bit because I had been banned per stipulations, and that's right, banned. you lost, right? Yeah, and that was that was a, a a long while ago, and I lost again recently in an actual <laughs> match where I got my ass beat by four very talented women. But a fan brought a "Who the hell let John Alba back in?" sign, <laughs> um, and uh, so I had it mailed down here. This is going to be in my new home studio. So. That's amazing. That is yeah. incredible. I feel like that means you're over though. Like when people come and they oh. purposefully bring signage to say, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, I mean that's you know. People want to see me get my ass kicked, and they got to see that this past week. And that that show is going to be airing on IWTV, Limitless Wrestling Euphoria, is myself and my group Prestigious against Team Davian, which consists of Davian Becca and Ashley Box and Delmiato the Sea Stars, who were just on MLW this past week in Ring of Honor. So, mm-hmm. and and Davian and Becca were on AW Dark Elevation this past week. So. Lots of really talented people beating me up. <laughs> well, again, it just seems it just like from what you're saying, it just sounds like you're having a great time. And I know best time of my life. I know. Um, I know a lot of times when I hear people talk about their character work or they hear they talk about the things that they do, it's a part of your personality that you turn up to. I think Bruce actually said that it's a part of your personality that you just turn the volume up on. Do you find it way easier to just take that piece and like, yep, here we go. I'm going to crank this shit up and turn it up loud. So I would like to think, generally speaking, I'm a decent human being. There's going to be people on Reddit who disagree with that, but that's okay. That's <laughs> hey, neither here nor there. John, look, I'm, I'm, I got my ass handed to me on Reddit recently when CM Punk tweeted at me about eating my shoes. So trust me, I'm, uh, we're, we're part of that same ilk now. So you don't have anything to worry about there. Well, I'd like to think I'm a decent person who tries to be very human and empathetic. So when I can turn pro wrestling character up and live out all those things that I wish I could say to some people in real life. That's where it comes out. Right. So (laughs) I just, the the general idea of the Emmy award winning John Alba character is that he's a broadcaster. He's polished. Unlike everyone else who thinks they can just step up and just turn on a microphone and be a podcaster Mm -hmm. or they think they understand things. No, he has actual street cred. He's covered everything there is to cover he has an emmy award and because he has an emmy award therefore on the social scale he is better than you so that's kind of the genesis of the character right so i i've really tried to tap into that and obviously there's influences that you take from pro wrestling where kurt angle had his medals owen hart had his slammies you have an emmy award not many people can say that i'm i'm grateful for that so I just try to channel that and it's been a lot of fun. I, uh, I'm really, I enjoy that sign. I'm going to check it out. You said limitless. The show is coming out. Uh, and it is a so, yeah, so that week? show is airing this Saturday at eight o'clock on IWTV. If you go into the archives on limitless wrestling, you can see all of our, so this, this storyline that we just paid off here with team Davian 
was a story that was built over the course of eight months, which wow. you don't see in indie wrestling very often. So we we had an idea of how to pay that story off back in February. Wow. So to see it all come to fruition exactly how we envisioned it in front of a sold out crowd was amazing. That is that is incredible. That rarely, if ever, happens anymore in wrestling. So the fact that you guys pulled that off is 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 incredibly. I take impressive. a lot of yeah. pride. Like I said, I, I work in a lot of places, but Limitless is kind of my home promotion, and the depth of storytelling that goes on in Limitless is unlike any other indie I've come across in the wow. country. It's just it shows that indies can do long term storytelling and can do storylines. It's just some choose to, some don't. That's it, fine. It's uh, it's funny you said that. I mean, even even MLW, you can kind of throw that into that card. I just covered Fightland um, for a friend of the show, Duke Bennett's program um, as far as part of the press, uh, the Contra stuff. I mean, it's just and the Hammerstone Fatu storyline was just absolutely incredible. I really I found myself really invested in the idea that Jacob Fatu was just this incredible like, you know, it was I found myself like, wow, I can't believe that this stuff is actually out here and that not not a lot of people not enough people really know about this. So I think there's, it was, it was an incredible program. Yeah. I I'll be real with you. I actually was not a big fan of that NMLW fight plan show. I thought really? that too. I thought that too and Hammerstone were excellent. And I think their story, if you've been following it has been excellent. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Um, what, what were you, if you don't mind, if yeah, what presentation was... of the show wasn't really into it at all. Actually. Um, I just being honest here, yeah, I yeah. for their own opinion, you know, I, I thought, the presentation of the show was I, I got what they were trying to do, especially with like the embedded stuff and everything. Mm. I, I didn't think it was a, a hit. And sometimes you have to throw stuff at the wall. Like I was talking about earlier and see if it sticks. I don't think it stuck. I, I it felt to me like it was trying to produce sports television, but not necessarily having a sports TV background. Right. I could see that. So I can see that criticism. Yeah. This is just me as a broadcaster saying that it doesn't mean that anyone involved was not talented or anything. I mean, there are a ton of talented people involved there. It just wasn't my cup of tea personally. And maybe, maybe you loved it and liked it. And that's awesome. If you did, that's the beauty of wrestling is that there's different flavors of ice cream for everyone. And yeah, if you liked it, I, I highly encourage you to continue to support MLW. There's a lot of really talented people there and you should because the main event was great. I thought it was really good. And Jacob Fatu is a hell of a talent. I, I really yeah. think Jacob Fatu is one of the most underrated pro wrestlers in America, quite frankly. And Hammerstone's great too. I, I would agree on both counts there. I think I think both of them have really long and successful careers ahead of them um, just based upon seeing them live and then watching it again back. But I think the, the biggest criticism that I could give MLW right now was the embedded. I thought it was it felt really out of place for what they were. I felt like I was there was a lot of content that they had produced for the show, you know, at the recording and, and the time we were there at the ECW arena. And they put two matches on the show and it's like, well, why are we dedicating to, you know, like a significant segment of our program yeah. to this embedded? Like it didn't make a lot of sense Talking to me. About right? other, wrestling other wrestling promotions and Dave Meltzer. And, you know, like I just I, there's to me, it was just like, oh, why am I watching this? I don't need to see this. Right. Felt like a, it, a huge it came across to me just as a viewer it came across right. to me as we're trying to get street cred by adding people with big names to the show to to try to add a major league, no pun intended, a major league presentation to this, which I admire the idea. I just didn't think the execution was there. But that's just my personal take as a TV broadcaster. You know, I mean, everyone's entitled to it. I spoke to other people who loved it and thought it was awesome. And if you did, great, awesome. 
yeah, it's a different strokes for different folks, man. And I, I, you know, I personally didn't enjoy that. I, I thought the Tajiri match was great too, but you know, I, I think I'm hoping that they will find their, their stride and, you know, Nick, they have another couple of programs coming up and I hope things change for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the same thing. Like we always talk about, you always see on Twitter it's uh AEW stands and WWE stands and everything else. It's like, guys, we're, there's, there is so much out here for everybody to enjoy. I have gripes with every promotion, uh, everywhere. Yes. I'm sure you do as well. There are things that you don't don't like and there's things that I probably like that you don't but it's there's something for everybody out here and I just want I for me personally I would like everybody to be successful um so kind of going back into your story though John now that we've taken that detour I apologize uh that's what happens sometimes here on foundation radio oh I, I uh, drove that I apologize <laughs> I don't know no man it's fine uh so you're in Florida and you end up covering the pandemic sports or the pandemic pro wrestling coverage um that must have been pretty amazing to be sort of the voice at the time when the world basically was kind of shut down. Tell me more about how that happened, that streamlined process, uh, and how, how the pandemic may or may not have changed you as a, as a journalist. Yeah. So I've been covering pro wrestling for like 10 years and and I think it took a lot of people a little bit of time to discover me and that's fine. I, I had my podcast living the gimmick going for six years and we had a really nice dedicated fan base on that. But I was kind of in the right place, right time. And of actual reporters in the state of Florida, I would venture to guess that I'm probably the only one that was a pro wrestling fan and knew the <laughs> pro wrestling industry very well because of my work, you know, on the indies and getting to know talent in NXT and AW and all that stuff. So it was kind of right place, right time. And using my skill set as a journalist of knowing how to dig for a story and search records and all that kind of stuff. We, I feel like the first big story that we kind of uncovered was the state of Florida decreeing that pro wrestling was an essential business. Mm. And on the same day, coincidentally, Linda McMahon's America first super PAC donated, what was it? $18 million to the Florida GOP or something like that, which obviously were in no way correlated in any way shape or form they yeah i mean not be, they might be and not, it's not for me to say all it's my job here's is the to fact say sir it, hey, here's this, the fact yeah did happen at the same exact time so <laughs> just you can draw your own conclusions hey, yeah yeah but, make, um, your own, make your own decisions there yeah so, so that was kind of the first real big one i feel like and then when that happened more talent and employees started coming to me talking about covid protocols and all that kind of stuff where if you've been following along with my feed you know it felt like every other day for a stretch of two or three months, I was breaking something about COVID protocols and pro wrestling. <laughs> so it was, it was exhausting. Honestly. I can imagine, man. I can imagine. Yeah. But I, yeah. It, it was, it was a really good experience. It taught me some tougher skin and without it, and it kind of putting me on a little bit of a platform that I didn't necessarily have. I don't think I necessarily have this new opportunity right now either. So I'm grateful for it. I think it helped enhance the, my my profile as an indie talent as well. So yeah, man, it, it was an experience for sure. Florida is a wild place to be in general when you throw in a global <laughs> pandemic on top of it and all the, the chains are off at that point. Uh, yeah, the wheels have just completely come off at this point. Um, if you could sum up the performance era, performance center era uh, in WWE and even so much the AEW pandemic uh, shows, how would you sum up that time? 
like the actual quality of the program yeah, quality overall everything yeah like as far as the experience watching it the quality of the programming like what's your what's your overall takeaways from that entire time covering that i think it made both companies but especially wwe really reevaluate what the future of its television looks like and seeing them strip back live touring it, it's been my belief for some time now that eventually WWE will move to a more controlled environment for TV and they'll still go on the road and stuff for big pay-per-views. But I I still think that generally speaking, they will try to stick to a more controlled environment. Like with what we saw with the Thunderdome where you can control reactions because it's a TV production rather than a pro wrestling production. So that's kind of the big takeaway for me is how these companies got a peek at what their future may look like and how they could evaluate off it. Whereas AEW is a total juxtaposition of that and so reliant on the live energy of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, they, they need that right now. They're pushing that, that they're, they're trying to build their content and their equity, whereas WWE already has that. So it, you, you're doing the pandemic related coverage. Yeah. WrestleMania 37 happens. Everybody's back. It's a two night event. And somehow you link up with, Conrad Thompson, friend of the show, Conrad Thompson. Uh, tell me, tell me how that contact, I mean, obviously you probably guys knew each other before that, but, uh, the contact as far as bringing you on board to ad free shows started around that time. Yeah. So I knew Conrad a long time. Actually, I've known Conrad probably since around the start of something to wrestle. Wow. And yeah, if you go and listen to the ad for, I, I won't tell the whole story here because I'm not going to waste time doing that. But if you go over to the ad free shows video, we just dropped on YouTube mm-hmm. for everyone. I talk about that story of meeting Conrad and what that was like and getting to cover the first Pritchard live show, which was the first live event Conrad ever did. So that was yeah. kind of cool years ago. But around April, I, I've kind of, I've been, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been pretty transparent about this stuff. I, I, I've, battled my fair share of mental health stuff a lot of us have right yeah so i had some stuff going on personally and professionally i had an incident at work where it kind of became very apparent to me that my contributions were not being appreciated in the way that i felt that they should be and everyone wants to feel wanted and Mm -hmm part of a team wherever they are so and and i had felt that my body of work between the daytona 500 stuff the nba lockout stuff the walkout stuff the pro wrestling stuff i'd felt like i really stepped up my game and, and earned a little bit of respect that i didn't feel that i was getting so i wasn't really in a great place and i covered wrestlemania and it was kind of like this big just moment for me. I was like, okay, I really need to figure out what my next step is going to be because I, I made the decision there that I wasn't going to resign my current news contract. And I didn't really know if I wanted to stay in local news because local news is a, just an awful grind. It's, mm-hmm. it's very rewarding when you tell great stories. But, I mean, my first on-air job as a sports director, I was anchoring five nights a week, three times a night, making $22,000. Wow. You know, it's, it's just, it's the reality is it's just, it's a brutal industry, but you love as a broadcaster, you love that high of, of being on air and all that stuff. So I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? Am I just going to go to another station? I had some looks from a few 
prominent pro wrestling organizations to come in and do some work. But those didn't ultimately amount to anything. And I got a call from Conrad one day, probably around mid to late April. He was like, hey, man, I got an idea. Would you want to come on and host some content? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I got like my news contract here and like I, I can't, yeah. can't really... I got to be really careful about because news contracts are super, super restrictive. So like, what can you do? What are you not allowed to do? I was like, I'll let you know, man, I'll talk to the powers that be. I'll talk to my agent. We can figure it out. And we hung up. And then like a day later, I'm just sitting and uh, thinking to myself, wait, did he mean like coming on full time and doing, <laughs> and doing stuff? <laughs> so I called him back and I was like, Hey man, like maybe I like misunderstood what you were saying, but like, were you talking about like coming on and doing, like full-time content here he's like yeah i was like oh well this is interesting because i never really saw this as a viable path i had always told myself if i were to get out of local news it would be to work in baseball or pro wrestling full-time one of the two of them and i was like oh well this is interesting and then we started talking and he told me about some of the projects that he has in mind which i can't share with you now i mean there, there are projects that probably still won't launch for several months from now Wow! that wow. we have been talking about in development for almost a year at this point and how I fit into the equation for that. And it was like, we'd start talking numbers and it was like, Oh my God, like I can do this full time. This is crazy. Wow. So I just grew up in my last four or five years as such a big fan of the work that Conrad has done as you have too. And mm -hmm. I, I was beating that chest as far as all his content and was a big believer in it. And now we have a chance to do something a little different with ad free shows because ad free shows does the nostalgia element so well. Yeah. So now oh, it's yeah. my job to kind of bridge the nostalgia to the current, to the present and tap into nostalgia to talk about the present and talk about the present to tap into the nostalgia. <laughs> so I, I'm really excited for that challenge. It sounds, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a subscriber on ad free shows. It's, it's the best money I spend every single month because it does, it allows me to get that in-depth analysis of the, um, uh, the nostalgia that I've been looking for uh, pretty much anywhere. Um, I'm a big believer in Conrad shows. Conrad's been on the show before. Um, I want to go back though, before we continue to talk about ad free shows and you, you mentioned mental health, which I'm a big advocate for. I struggle with myself as I've been very open about on my show and on my Twitter feed. Um, now leaving what sounds like could have been, you know, from in, in all in, from, from all intents and purposes could have been possibly a sort of toxic environment for you. Uh, now getting into a, a welcoming new position and a new career. How has your mental health been since that point? And how are you? I guess. How are you doing right now, John? Are you good? Are you, well, you doing all right? Yeah, you're asking that. Um, and I hope you're doing all right yourself. I can't complain today, man. Things are good today. Good. good. I'm sorry that you're talking to me, but um, <laughs> I, I feel the same to you, pal. I always have to apologize so, for talking to people. Yep. <laughs> so listen, so I don't, I'm not here to like talk bad about like previous experiences or anything. That's certainly not the case. I, I had a lot of positive experiences, hundred percent of the way working in local news. And it, it set me up to be here without my experience in local news. I would not be getting to do video and audio shows talking about pro wrestling so I've, I've got nothing bad to say about it in that sense. It's more just a culture thing that mm. is really tough with local news. And you're part of a machine and the machine's never going to stop. 
you're going to get replaced and life goes on. So I, the one thing that I can tell you has been so meaningful to me is everyone on the ad free shows team so far has just shown their eagerness and excitement to work with me and how I can contribute. And on my second day in Conrad told me I did a great job with something. And I don't think I've ever, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm not being hyperbolic in my six, seven years in local news. I don't think I ever got a good job from my highest superior. Wow. Not once. Wow. And I knew I was doing good work. And not that I'm the kind of guy that like needs to be like told you're doing great, John. Like, like I, I'm, I'm kind of, I know my work will speak for itself, but every now and then you need to tell the people that you work with, Hey, you're doing a great job. Like, like keep it up. It's good for morale. It makes people feel good about themselves. And I'm not even saying that my high, my higher ups were bad people or anything like that. Right, Sometimes right. you're just so caught up in the machine that you don't even think about that stuff. And I think it's really important to be cognizant of that stuff if you are a boss in whatever industry you're in and you are a supervisor in whatever industry you're in to tell people, hey, you did a great job on that. That was really good. So when I got that from him, I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever been told that by my highest superior. So that was really meaningful and so far so good. I'm so excited for people to see some of the content we have planned. My first podcast um, I mean, I can tell you this right now. I yeah. have a podcast that's going to be hitting the main feed, like the main Conrad feed uh, sometime soon. Don't have a date yet, but it is unlike any pro wrestling podcast that's ever been done. And it's going to be very fun and very funny. <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. And I can't wait to talk more about that. I and my gonna... phone, this whole conversation, my phone has been blowing up with the people that are involved with it, talking about it. So I apologize. For I, that. No, 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 that's fine, man. Hey, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that you are bringing your talents and your skill set to something that's already so amazing and that you're going to be a part of yeah. something that's even cooler. And you I know, like that's, that. that's amazing. And I think that was yeah. part of Conrad bringing me in was, if I can say this about myself, he sure. wanted someone that was more polished in the traditional broadcast sense. Like there are a lot of great wrestling fans out there who cover wrestling for wrestling news sites and stuff, but they don't necessarily, and they're great podcasters or they mm -hmm. do fun video shows, but they don't necessarily have that polished TV element, knowing sure. how to time a show out until the very second. Yeah. Like, like, like people don't think about that. When I'm on air hosting a show on TV, I've got a producer in my ear counting me down the last 10 seconds of the show like stuff like that like like right. that takes a lot of practice and and you need to have that skill set if you want to succeed in that so i think conrad wanting to bring that in hopefully our goal is to kind of set a bit of a standard for how stuff is presented and hopefully it'll be great I'm I'm really looking forward to it i i uh, i worked in radio so i know what that's like uh, they the, sure. the term in radio is hitting the post and i can tell you that's a skill that takes a long time. It's all about the reps. It takes <laughs> yeah. all the reps in the world. So it, it takes a long time to get right. But yeah, I, uh, I'm very much looking forward to the ad free shows content that you're going to create. I was very excited to see you joining uh, the team. Um, is there anything that you can share about any of the projects that you're working on right now um, that anybody in the listening crowd would uh, would be uh, excited to hear? And um, I guess tell me, tell us a little bit more for the folks that don't really know about ad free shows. Tell them a little bit more about where they can discover that. 
Sure. Well, Conrad's whole network is the ad-free shows network. If you listen to any of Conrad's podcasts on the main feeds, you probably hear ad-free shows all the time. So all the shows that you hear on the main feed uh, go to adfreeshows.com, which is a subscription service. And there's a ton of bonus content that goes to it. Stuff related to the main feed shows that you hear about video related to those, but also there are shows that are exclusive to just ad free shows. X-Ray with Dr. Tom Pritchard, one of the greatest pro wrestling minds of all time, breaks down in-ring psychology of your favorite matches. Uh, stuff like that that are just not available. Uh, happy Hour with Rebel, like Britt Baker's right-hand gal, you know? Great stuff there. And, and I pitched 11 different shows the other day that are wow. hopefully, hopefully not all 11 are going to show up, I'm sure, but hopefully some of them that you'll start to see on the ad-free shows platform. It's all unfiltered, uncensored, and a lot of fun. As far as stuff that I'll be doing, I, I can't really go into a ton of specifics right now until we formally announce it, but we just dropped the conversations with Conrad, with Jerry Jarrett, uh, we dropped part one and part two is on its way. I think both parts are like two hours long. Wow. And I think I'm going to be doing a follow-up series to that with Jeff Jarrett. I think that's the plan right now. Cool. So so that should be dropping soon. And there's some other stuff that's going to be really awesome that I, I want to tell you about so bad, <laughs> but I can't just yet. Um, I am going to be getting my own interview series on ad-free shows and on the ad-free shows YouTube. So if you go over to YouTube, and search ad-free shows, subscribe to that because I think it's adfreeshowsyoutube.com as well. There's a direct URL because there will be content going up there for free that you don't even have to pay for. So if you subscribe, you get that. And I encourage you, even if you're just curious for a little bit, try a month of ad-free shows, see what it's like, see the new content that's coming out. The lowest tier is $9 a month. We Sometimes you go to Subway and pay more than that. So I, I encourage you to give it a shot and see what it's like. And I, I can't put over ad free shows enough either, John. I mean, if you're if you're a wrestling fan and you enjoy that type of content, you enjoy the 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 back backstage in-depth historical stories and all the fun stuff that goes along with wrestling, you would be doing yourself a disservice by not signing up for ad free shows. So go to adfreeshows.com right now. I'm gonna link it in the show notes. Make sure you go and, and subscribe today because it's absolutely incredible. Uh, John, one more thing I want to mention. I want to go back to something that you mentioned before I get to my rapid fires here. You said you played music in the South Jersey music scene. What did Jersey you do? Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Excuse me. Yes. Very different. What did you, uh, what was your, what was your time in the Jersey Shore music scene like? Amazing. Um, being from Jersey, everyone is, you know, your religion is Springsteenism. So <laughs> Bruce is one of my everythings. And yeah. I've been able to share venues with Bruce and and play these great places. I mean, dude, it was just the best time of my life. I love, love, love music. Music is such a huge part of who I am. So wait, you shared, you actually played at the venues with Bruce or you just played the same venues? So I, there's one time I've been on stage with Bruce. There were like a hundred other musicians on stage. So like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, it was like me and these people. And it wasn't that, (laughs) but I can say that. And, my famous story that I was talking about, I talked about this on the ad-free shows thing, was uh, Springsteen almost ran me over with his Range Rover. <laughs> I was loading into a venue, and he was making a surprise appearance. He didn't see me, and there were a bunch of fans who were seeing him come in. 
and uh, he came about this close to running over my oh, left foot. Shit, and he, he realized it, saw it roll down his window, gave his Bruce chuckle, and uh, I've got that to my to my name. You know, I can say that I was almost <laughs> run over by Bruce Springsteen. So, yeah, man, that was that was fun. What? So you? What do you? What do you play? Guitar. 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 That's awesome, man. Yeah, Bruce is uh, Bruce is God here in this house as well. One of my favorite yeah. memories. One What's of my your favorite, favorite album. My favorite album, I would probably say, is Born to Run. Um, Born to Run. I can listen to that pretty much every. I mean, that song, like I've I've shared it on my Twitter feed. There's something so incredible to me about that song specifically. Well, so so Born like I might to run. if I continue to talk about it and take this route, I might get emotional. Well, like that's uh, how. Uh, oh my I god, bawled, dude! I bawled my eyes out at the Broadway play. Oh um, man, but, so man, so man, I missed it. My eyes out, but. Well, so it's funny, Born to Run, you, you mentioned that. Born to Run was a song that I like really, it was one of, for the longest time, it was one of those songs for me that was like, I know it's a great song, but it's so overplayed. Right, and like right. everyone, and so, but then when I started to like go through real life adult stuff mm -hmm. and relationships and all that, Someday, girl, I don't know when we're going to get to that place where we really want to go. That line. You're going to make me start, dude. You're going to make me start. That line has changed my life. <laughs> it's changed my life. And and I use that as a calling card for me to remind myself when I'm having hard times emotionally. Someday, I don't know when, but we're going to get to that place. Yeah. And and it stands with me. And Born and Run's not even my favorite Springsteen album. Darkness is my favorite Springsteen album. But it's storytelling. It's what it all boils down to. And there's a parallel with pro wrestling, right? Like yeah. when you connect... when. When music makes you feel something, there's nothing like it. When pro wrestling makes you feel something, it is the best yeah. experience. There's nothing better than when pro wrestling makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's literally what 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 Springsteen and, you know, Dr. Dre's music or anything else that I'm I'm into the storytelling. They're very different people. But you yeah. know what? You know what? But though, like if you listen if, that's great. If you listen to Compton, that record is a is a it's a story. It's a it's a front to back oh, yeah. story, uh, a three three part act, um, and that's that's what to me that's like I like I said before, it's the spice of life, right? It's it's what gets me out of bed in the morning, and it reminds me that like there are things that I can enjoy as a human being on a molecular level, you know. And when I get into those modes, I get into those places, I'll fucking crank that shit, and then it's back to reality, you know. Um, but you're right. You if you if you feel something and you get something out of that, then that's to me that's the best thing about art, right? It's just it's an absolutely incredible, uh, incredible experience. Um, I got to see Springsteen one time live. It was the second show they ever played at the Link. I sat, I think like four or five uh, seats from the front of the stage. You're and talking big, like 07, 08 kind of. No, we're talking about 03. Oh, so the rising tour. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking right. about 03. Um, I was, I think so like the, the whole band was there. Like the big man was still alive. That was the first, and, that was the first tour I saw Springsteen on the rising tour. Whoa, dude, that was, man, talk Great about show. a, Great talking shows. about a life altering experience, man. Um, I'm glad we had that conversation about Springsteen and Bruce, uh, you're always welcome to come on the show if you're listening, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I'll hey, come man. on too. I'll, hey. I'll hop on too. Just, you know, just. I'll sit here. It's like uh, that scene in Community where Troy Barnes is staring at LeVar Burton. I'll just sit here and stare. And then, John, you can ask the questions. Uh, so, um, so John, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, typically, at the end of the shows, the end of Foundation Radio, uh, when I do a wrestling interview, I always ask uh, a handful of rapid-fire questions do about it. your favorites and least favorites. So we'll start at the very top here. Your all-time favorite wrestling match. I think, and I've, I've, I've put a lot of thought into this because I get asked this a lot. I think it's Okada Omega 2, the 60-minute time limit draw from Dominion. Wow. I think that's my favorite match of all time. Uh, your least favorite match? 
surprisingly enough, I don't think I've actually ever been asked that. <laughs> My least favorite. I don't like shitting all over talent and whatnot. But sure. My least favorite match. I was at, you were probably there too, the 2015 Royal Rumble. Uh, were, were you there for that? I was not. Okay, in Philly. Hmm. Uh, when when Roman Reigns won the Rumble and got booed and it was just like, I knew in that moment I was witnessing like an all-time bad moment in yeah. pro wrestling history. Yeah. And they've got The Rock out there endorsing him and the crowd is still booing. And uh-huh. I'm like, this, this is a disaster unlike anything I've ever seen in person at a pro wrestling show. So as far as mainstream matches, that might be it. Yeah, I um I I wasn't there. I watched it and I was, you know, I was like, okay, this is uniquely Philly. Of course, they're going to do this kind of thing. It reminded me a lot of uh, in some it, it was parallel to the JD Drew incident with the D batteries, which I was at that game. Um, you at it, that game were you? I was. Yeah, I was I was sitting with my dad and my brothers at the vet and uh it was yeah. It was like one of those moments which kind of sounds like that with Roman where you sort of feel the place come alive. You know, like you can feel sure. this energy and it was not good energy. <laughs> No. <laughs> right I after have, the right I after the soft spot for the vet. I have a yeah. soft spot for the vet. I, I, I went to a few games there and I you know, multi-purpose cookie cutter stadium for all intents and purposes. Right. But if you were in the lower bowl and you were not far off the field, it was a great sight line to watch some baseball. Absolutely. If you were up top though, no. You know, I mean, and that's where we sat, too. It's like my dad was like, oh, it's me and my you know, I'm a teenager. He's like, Oh, I'll get tickets in the higher seats. I'm like, Dad, you're absolutely out of your mind. And right after the batteries got thrown, they, I remember the announcers came on the loudspeakers and they're like, you know, the Phillies are going to um, forfeit the game if this continues. So then the place just went fucking ballistic. And basically, once the game started again, my dad was like, all right, we're leaving because I don't want to get killed here. You know, so, yeah, I can imagine something like that in Philly is just always you're just asking for trouble when you're in Philly. Um, your favorite wrestling angle. Favorite wrestling angle. Hmm. Anything I'm involved in. Um, Good answer. Um, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, though. I, I just, that's that's really, and I'm grateful that I, I've talked about limitless wrestling. Randy Carver, the promoter, really gives me so much leeway with creative control over my own stuff. And doing the storytelling, like crafting those stories is such a blast. Um, favorite wrestling angle. Uh, I mean, obviously the Undertaker Kane stuff changed mm. my life quite literally. So I'm, I'm impartial to that. I love the Brian Danielson, the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 yeah. story, even, even if it was inadvertent. Yeah. It ended up with one of the greatest payoffs ever. I was there for that. And wow. That's, that's yeah, that's an all timer. That must have been insane to be in that yeah. stadium at that moment. Well, it was just insane because, you know, an hour before that, you saw the streak end. So, right. oh, that's right. So, that was, I forgot yeah. that was the same show. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super low and super high. Yeah. Um, the biggest missed opportunity in professional wrestling. And I'll give you I'll tell you this up front. Everyone always has the same answer. I envision they probably all say the invasion. That is correct. Everyone says the invasion. Yep. It's hard to disagree with that. The invasion is probably the biggest missed opportunity. I'll tell you a present missed opportunity. Please do. And I know people are going to disagree with it, but 
WWE not being part of this forbidden door, I think everybody would benefit from it. Everybody would benefit. Mm-hmm. WWE would benefit. If you put a Kenny Omega versus Roman Reigns match on yeah, WWE God. television, you're doing huge numbers. You put so, that on Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you save that for the I just because both of them have been talking about it. My, so initially, when when the CM Punk chatter started and Roman Reigns came for CM Punk's neck, theoretically, I for me, I was I always look for triggers, you know, and you know, I look for things and, and look. There's an angle here somewhere, and I'm like, are they going to do this? Are they really going to cross over? And when that didn't happen, I just I, you're right. I I actually agree with you on that assessment. I think that now I, there's a good a better question. Omega and Roman, who goes over and then do you do it on live TV? Yeah, I mean, I think that's all dependent on like who's booking the show. So I, <laughs> right. I don't say who goes over because whoever's booking is the one who's going over. But right, right. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a pay per view match that sells out a stadium. Yeah. So sell out the garden and you could do it on a you could do it on wrestlemania you could do it whatever it's massive and i think wwe closing its mind to working with these other companies is just not yeah i don't think AEW is cutting into wwe business very much so i don't see the drawbacks of working with them and using their talent to your advantage and all that but you know what it is what it is yeah, I mean, it's it's and, you know, I and obviously I want to make sure I, I preface this by any questions that I ask you. This is just all opinion. This is not to to say like, oh, AEW oh, you, is better oh, than so WWE. You mean yeah, wrestling? Yeah. You mean wrestling? Yeah. Uh, not wrestling. Wrestling is pretty good. Yeah. You mean ringside news is not going to just like pull up. <laughs> John Alba, John Alba. Uh, said that that Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega are going to work a, <laughs> the amount of times that happens a week. Dude, I can tell you, I've only had one interaction with that company and I'll, I'll tell you offline because I don't even want to give them airtime on this. But the uh, the the idea being this is just opinion right this is just our opinion and how how i feel about a specific you know what i would like to see in wrestling and whether or not that matters to anybody is is to 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 anybody else but i just enjoy talking wrestling so much um i do i agree i agree that um an omega reigns match could sell out anywhere and i also agree that it could be on free television but um i do i do think that there's there's money to be made there um wcw at the NWO height, pre-Russo, or ECW, which one did you enjoy more? Like in the moment or in hindsight? Both. In the moment and, hi- and I mean, in hindsight. In the moment, I wasn't really watching either. I was okay. young and I was and I was a WWF guy. Like right. I Jersey kid, like that's what that was my territory. In hindsight, probably WCW at its height. I hardcore wrestling is very hit or miss for me mm. and there's a lot of amazing stuff in ecw but like we did a lot of watch alongs for my living the gimmick patreon and we did a lot of ecw shows and very rarely did i ever say like man i just loved that ecw show mm. uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can see are seeds for AEW, and that's kind of cool yeah but there's just some trash on that and there were some really untalented performers on those shows so yeah, I uh, I recently heard Jim Cornette mention that um, he believes that, you know, uh, a lot of like the Smoky Mountain wrestling holds up way better than ECW, ECW being a big product of the 90s. You know, it's it's in a time capsule. Yeah, so, I'm sure it does. I haven't gone back and watched much Smoky Mountain, but I'm, I'm sure that it does. Yeah, I'm just using that sort of as an example to what he said, but I agree. I think there's I think a lot of the stuff from the 90s doesn't hold up as much as it should today. The NWO or DX? Probably DX. Just because 
just because, again, I grew up a WWF fan, so that, right. that's my era. Final question for you, John. Sting and The Undertaker wrestle, finally. Peak of their careers. Crow Sting and, let's say, Ministry Undertaker. Who goes over? Probably Taker, but what's over with me is the Ministry of Darkness theme song, the entrance theme. <laughs> that's what's over with me. So, Dude, uh, I popped hard when that bird hit. That bird theme hit at uh no, at The bird theme is the greatest theme of all time. Oh I, my I, God. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I tweet about Gangrel literally all the time. And, <laughs> and, and I interviewed Gangrel like five or six years ago, and we talked. We had a whole 10-minute conversation just about the theme itself. And Wow. You know, he said to me, the best piece of advice he ever got from somebody was Stone Cold Steve Austin, who told him, you need to be able to walk to your theme. So when I uh, when I think about the brood theme, it's just a ding, 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 ding. You just, you, you envision him just bobbing side to side <laughs> and Edge coming out with the, like, so at all my themes, I think about that element too. Like you need to be able to walk to it. Yeah. So yeah. That's amazing, man. John Alba, thank you so much for finally linking up with me for Foundation Radio oh, no. here. I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Uh, just one quick thing. when uh, Again, where can everybody find you on uh, on your socials? Uh, at John Alba on Twitter, J-O-N-A-L-B-A, lose the H, H's are for losers. So that's, that's <laughs> the most important thing. Um, on Twitter, that's the best place to find me. Instagram, John underscore Alba even though I still haven't mastered Instagram by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and then, of course, on ad-free shows that you're going to be hearing a lot of me. You're going to be seeing a lot of me. You'll be hearing me on the main podcast feeds very soon, which I'm very excited about. And then you'll be seeing a lot of me on adfreeshows.com. John Alba, thank you again so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Butts Carlton, proprietor.